You're listening to Nurses on Fire, the podcast for nurses by nurses aspiring to financial independence. This is our weekly conversations with the CFP edition, where certified financial planners join us to have honest money conversations that guide nurses like you on their path to financial freedom. If you want to get your questions answered, make sure you head over to nursesonfirepodcast.com slash ask to be featured in an upcoming episode. Have you started on your journey towards financial independence or want to do better with your money and don't know where to start? Well, this training is for you. I encourage you to head over to financiallyintentional.com live to sign up for our next free masterclass where I'll teach you the techniques I've used and taught my clients to master money and build wealth. During this free training, you'll learn the most powerful weapon you have at your disposal to launch into financial freedom. The budgeting method that will free up thousands of dollars a month to achieve your financial goals. The common mistakes to avoid while paying off debt and how to rapidly slay debt. You don't want to miss this. So head over to financiallyintentional.com live or click the button in the show notes to register for our next free masterclass. All right, Nurses on Fire, we are back with our wonderful certified financial planner, Lisa Peterson, and today we are going to be discussing getting on the same page with your partner financially. Hey, Lisa. Hello. (laughs) All right, Lisa, I look to you as a role model because you are. You're just phenomenal in all kinds of ways, but you've been married for quite some time, and I know that you've, along your just course of becoming a millionaire have gone through some financial ups and downs and your husband has been there with you. And I want to know how you were able to successfully navigate money conversations and getting on the same page financially with your husband. So yeah, start there. Yeah, that's, it's a great place to start. I was sharing recently and you may have heard it, the fact that when we first got together for many years until we had children, we kept our money separate. And I was really focused on having lots of money and he wasn't so focused on it. So I did not feel like that was a good arrangement for us to co-mingle because I'm like, I'm going to work a lot. I'm going to save a lot. Then we'll keep it separate. But once we had children, I found how hard that was pretty fast and we co-mingled. And so we've been co-mingled. My daughter is about to turn 23. So for 23 years, we have co-mingled our finances. However, I think that part of looking back, I just want listeners and folks to to understand that when you know that you are in alignment with somebody, that you have somewhat similar patterns of behavior with spending and saving, it's going to be far different than when you enter a relationship and you've got very, very different ways of being with money. And so for my husband and I, we were close enough. We were close enough that we could find common ground. And so maybe we just start the conversation there of like, if you don't, and and I'll just share over the years, I've worked with a lot of couples and they come to me because money's not working. They, it's not just because my specialty is it's not just the dollars and cents. It's also like there's something wrong. Like maybe one partner suffering from depression or a lot of times, like I can think of one couple in particular, he had always supported the family. 
and she was more stay-at-home mom. And the problem was, was that he had been taught that money and his ability to pay for everything was part of his identity. And then the problem too was when money was coming in, he had his own business, everything was awesome. They spent a lot of money, but when money was drying up or when there was hardship and he wasn't making the money, he collapsed like for not being able to do what he was expecting himself to do. And then because she was used to just spending it, not necessarily saving it. And so all this stuff was bubbling up because all of a sudden they realized that not only did they have a money problem, they also had some beliefs inside that needed to be dealt with because as long as he thought that the way that he was proving his love was through money. And then over here, she actually had the reverse belief, which is as long as you're giving me stuff, then you love me. That dynamic was blowing things up because once the money ran out, they felt like, well, what are we going to do? He felt bad. She felt bad. And, and I'm just explaining this because I want people to know that if you are out, if sometimes we find partners because they're our greatest and hardest teachers, and so if they're struggling with one thing and you've got the mere belief on the opposite side, it can be really tough to get out of a problem and just pay attention to it. You know, you may want to read my book. You may want to look into some of the things I teach because it, it isn't as, always as simple as we'd like. However, sometimes it's simple. One person spends more than the other person, and you really have to communicate about this. Like you have to be comfortable sharing what's going on for you, be self-aware enough about your own challenges with money and give voice to them. And then also ask your partner to do the same. Hey, I get a lot of satisfaction. I feel better when I spend money. I am inspired when I spend money. Like speak, give voice to it. And then you'll probably hear your partner, if that's the case for you, say, you, it stresses me out when you do that, right? I don't like it when you do that. And then all of a sudden, you've got this healthy conversation going on rather than default, avoid conflict at all costs or something. Does any of this make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. But I love how it all comes down to like our identity and like, who we're being and who we're showing up as because that's what your money is going to reflect, right? How you show up and that's how you spend your money. And so I like that everything is brought back to that level. And usually that's where the problem can be solved, right? So (laughs) yeah, it all makes sense. It all makes sense to just start there. So you can start having that conversation and knowing it's not like, you know, like Dave Ramsey always says like, oh, there's a spender and then there's a saver. But really, it's like whatever money stories that you grew up with and how that's played out in your adult life to form how you think about money. And so it's not always that straightforward. But once you recognize that and you're able to hone in on that, then you can start having honest conversations to kind of get on the same page. So yeah, I love it. Mm I think one of the, let's talk about presence for a second, because I think this is a very interesting conversation where, and I see this come up over and over again. So for me, I used to get, my parents spent too much on presence. Like they actually would get us into financial trouble because they felt like they needed to give, give, give what they didn't even have. Okay. So I grew up from a place of like giving gets you into trouble. Like there was a belief that it's like, 
when people are buying me gifts, I get worried. Like, did you spend too much? Like I'm very, I, I feel more comfortable just saying buying my own gifts. So my family kind of knows that they're like, if she wants something, she's going to go get it, but she's not going to wait for somebody else to buy it for her. That's just me. But when you're in a partnership and one person believes that love comes through gifts and if you don't understand that or you haven't talked about it, even the person who feels like this is happening, you can imagine how you can get in a lot of trouble because it's like, you didn't buy me that gift. You should have bought me that gift. You know, like I was waiting for you. First of all, never, ever, ever expect people to read your mind. You tell your partner, I love receiving gifts. In fact, I'll be really happy if you give me flowers once a month or whatever it is. Like, be vocal about that and then no problems. But if you just wait for them to read your mind about something that makes you really, really happy, you're diminishing your power to create the happiness you want. And just by sharing what's important to you and vice versa, the other person may be like, I get worried when I buy gifts all the time. I feel like I'm wasting money. You know, so all of a sudden another great conversation opener. Yeah, I really like that. I really like that. What really struck home to me was... <laughs> not expecting people to read your mind. And I think that's what we do on all aspects of relationships. Sometimes like we don't speak up or sometimes we have the internal conversation so much. We think we're saying it out loud, but we really don't. And people just don't know what they don't know. And so giving someone the opportunity to actually know what you like or what things kind of set you off or what things, you know, create like this kind of fear or resentment. I think that that's like super important and it's important to have those conversations. So along those lines of just like speaking up and telling people <laughs> and not expecting them to read your mind, what are some like, if you were to give like a couple of tips like that every couple should follow when it comes to having money conversations, what would they be? First of all, communication, open regular communication. And depending on how tight money is, the more common those conversations to, should take place. So if you are budgeting on a monthly basis to figure out how to pay for all your expenses, you should be having a conversation once a week with your partner about where are we, what's going on, how can we make sure and make this work? Like that, I think the struggle is going to dictate how frequently you talk. But at a minimum, once a month, checking in and saying, hey, you know, who's, you know, maybe dividing up roles and responsibilities. Let's say we've already set that up. So we know like I check and make sure that the, that the bank account has enough money in it. I'm making sure that these bills are paid. You're making sure that these bills are paid, like super crystal clear who's responsible for what and how are we going to make sure there's an accountability process and if there's any trust issues where somebody takes something on but you actually don't trust that they're going to do it then you're going to take that and own it yourself and say hey it's going to make me happy if i can go in you know i'm going to expect you to do it on this date and i'm going to go in the next day and make sure it's done because until we do this for several months in a row and i know it's all taken care of i can't take that risk you know like Maybe someone's irresponsible. They're not the ones that should be assigned certain duties. I know that there are a lot of couples that come to me that are kind of like having this awakening, right? Just like I, I, I know what it's like because I had this awakening. Like, oh my God, like 
these are things that I can implement right now in order to do better with my finances, but to other people, they may seem extreme. So it's like they are having this awakening and then their partner is just like, wait, but I thought we were okay. Like, you know, because we're normal, like we're not, you know, broke or we're not in a really bad place financially and I'm kind of comfortable. So why should I be making these kind of adjustments? And usually it's those conversations that are really hard to have because, you know, you're not struggling, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. I think the other thing that even, you know, I'm sort of reverse engineering because I've been doing this for so long, but one thing I could add to it is let's make sure that as part of that communication, we're both on the same page about what's the goal. Like have annual goals, have semi-annual goals, have quarterly goals, and ways that you can both check in and be like, are we meeting the goal? how do we do, you know, so if it's monthly or quarterly or whatever, like to look at the big picture, Hey, our net worth, and you're tracking all of these things was, I love net worth all the time. So net worth, January one, you know, net worth, March 31st, it's an estimate, but we're like, we're going in the right direction, even though that didn't work out or that didn't work out. And my husband and I, you know, we, at any given moment might have four, five, or more different investments. And I think you've got the same thing going on happening in our lives. And so we like diversification because it's, it's yin and yang, ebb and flow. One thing's doing great, another isn't. But like keeping track of all of those things, it's super important that we both have our own ideas of the goals of what we're trying to achieve. And then are we actually getting there and checking in on that? So those are happier, often happier conversations than maybe the like budgeting ones that, you know, finally I did it for years. And then several years ago, I will share this. My husband came to me and he said, I don't have any freaking clue what's going on with our money. And, and he's like, I am, that makes me really sad. It makes me feel kind of like emasculated. Like I don't, you've taken it all on. And I was like, that was not my intention. I thought I was doing you a favor. I thought you didn't really like doing it and because I, I just naturally do it. And I was like, you can take on whatever you want. And he's like, oh. and I was like, you want to take stuff on? And he's like, yes. I was like, you can have it. Like, I don't really want it actually. And so literally he has taken it on and like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. Like he loves it. He loves, he's got everything set up automatically, checks in. I'm sort of the big picture and he's the specifics and it works. But like that only happened in the past like three or four years after 30, you know, 30 years together. Yeah. I think it's good to see that because it's an evolution. Like people think that things have to happen overnight and they don't. It takes time. It takes time, just like it takes time to really like know your partner, right? It takes time to work through these money issues. And so I hope that gives people a little bit of relief to know that, (laughs) you know, even after like some years, like it'll all work out, but it is important to be on the same page. And I think it's important. I like to go back to, the goals that you were talking about, a lot of times people just don't have collective goals. And I think that we can like jazz it up a little bit and say maybe dreams, right? Like you guys can dream together and put together a plan of what your best life would look like. 
and then break that apart into little, you know, goals that you can meet to get there. And I think that, you know, yeah, that is a much sexier conversation than just line by line going through the budget. Because even though I love it, I love looking at my budget. I love nerding out. I know what what's going to get my partner motivated is seeing how much money this can bring in and how much we don't have to work later. Right. And so <laughs> he's not going to, he's not the nickel and dimer I am. And so just understanding, and I like how you mentioned, like he's really into the details and you're really into the big picture. And so just finding each other's strength. But yeah, all good information. And I think I should give people hope that they can do it. It is possible and it it may take some time. But I think that getting on the same page with your partner financially is one of the things, like one of those pillars of financial freedom. One of the steps, I mean, like getting there, I feel like lifts some um, weight off your shoulders because you're not doing it alone. And when you're not doing things alone, you know that you can reach your goals exponentially faster. And so, yeah, I think that these were some good stories. <laughs> we remember the stories more than we do the like, oh, do this and do that and do this. So. Yeah. And that's how I like to share because I feel like it makes it more relatable and people can see themselves in stories. And so, uh, you know, I know people will take away some good stuff from this and I appreciate you as always, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> hope that you've enjoyed the episode and that you've learned something new to set you on your path to financial independence. If you love this episode, please share, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want us to go over your financial situation or have your questions answered, head on over to Nurses on Fire podcast slash ask and have us do an analysis of your individual financial situation. And don't worry, we'll keep you anonymous. Thank you for listening to my mommy's podcast. And don't forget to subscribe. Bye-bye.